Metal Cough. Hey, behave. Going live on this Memorial Day Monday, everybody. You know, John, this is where we cut our teeth on the holidays. This is how the ra- this is how the show was originally born. Nights and holidays. So, so here we are on a Memorial Day. Uh, we just keep on swinging, baby. Keep swinging the pick, Haberman. Hopefully, you, maybe like middle cough, you're recovering from last night, getting ready for you know a day in the sun today, and uh, so you're gonna hang out with us a little bit if you're watching on the stream on YouTube Live. If you're listening to the podcast, we hope you had a uh, relaxing, relaxing weekend and and day and uh, whatever it is that you did. We're glad you're back here with us. Yeah, happy Memorial Day, happy to America, and happy. Uh, just mad props to to all of our veterans out there. I know yeah. my, uh, my my father. I have a picture over there with the. You probably weren't living in Davis yet, but they had the traveling Viet, Vietnam uh, the wall. Oh, that wow. was like I obviously was they there. had the one, and, and it came to Davis. You know where if you're familiar with Davis, it's where uh, what's the thing called when they put out a bunch of little shops? You know, on like a Saturday morning, like a farmers uh, market. Yeah, the farmers market in Davis. Downtown. Do you know where that was? Do you yeah, remember downtown. where that was? That little stretch of that mm-hmm. green grass right there downtown. They, that's where they brought it. And I was like, I have the picture over there, pointed at my the, the name. I didn't obviously. I mean, I was young. This is probably like he was pointing at his brother's name. I was. Oh. My dad took the picture. You know, yeah. I, I I kind of had a frown on my face. It wasn't a great look for me. But well, I, I was like really, five or six. You, I mean, it's kind of an awkward. Yeah, I didn't really quite know what was going on, but it was uh, it doing? was clearly a big deal for him to go to see the wall. Yeah, I, I uh, didn't. Um, we went. Remember, didn't we go uh, before we went to a Nationals Giants game? Didn't we go to the wall in DC? I I've been a couple of times, so I can't remember if we went on that trip. But um, that's a pretty uh, yeah, that's a quiet place. That's a quiet. Yeah. Place. I don't. I guess you don't really say Happy Memorial Day, right? You say thank you. Yeah, you say thank you for um, I hat saw tip. Uh, and a hat tip. Yep, and a hat tip. I was looking this morning at uh, I put it on on Instagram. Um, Ted Williams baseball reference page. You know, just yeah. three years gone, no stats, military service. Now Ted did not serve in World War II. He was those three years he spent um, uh, training. To was be he in the Korean pilot. War? He was in the Korea. Yeah, he flew in the Korean War. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, but just to me, like when you look at that baseball reference, like that snapshot in time, Ted Williams, three years, just being a fighter pilot, came back in whatever year he came back, maybe 46, won the MVP. Yeah, no big deal. Like we're like, oh, Buster Posey's playing well, one year off. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Ted, like, you know, they, I mean, they, guy, they call it the toughest generation of all time. I mean, if you were the involved greatest, in WWE, yeah. And you I, know, I, yeah. I call it toughest, greatest. You can combine those two. I wonder if he, uh, if like the fighter pilot stuff actually helped. You know, like now guys would be like throwing tennis balls at each other, catching them with eyes closed, pointing at dots. You know, the way like I don't think I don't think in the modern day time he would have been a fighter pilot because he was too tall. Like I mean, what I've always read about like the modern day fighter pilots with the planes, like in the eighties, like Top Gun type stuff, is the average height because it isn't Ted Williams like six four. Wasn't he really tall? Well, I mean, he was tall. Yeah, I'm, he's listed at six. Yeah, for that generation, might have been tall. Okay, for, I bet his eyesight. I'm not making a joke. I bet his eyesight was incredible. Yeah, but I thought the thing was it's just hard to you know someone listening probably Can't knows better than me. It. it was just hard to fit. Yeah, yeah it's just they're, they're made for a guy like I think five nine to six feet range. That's why Tom Tom Cruise make fun of him all you want. Like he was actually size for most Navy SEALs. 
you know, maybe Jocko's an outlier. I think because my the guy my brother's works for went on this hunting trip to Idaho, and he said we, we got there. Uh, he, he had this buddy who's really rich guy. They flew out there, and SEAL Team Six was there. Like they gave him a vacation. They took him there. You know, this place invites them. And I was like, what were the size of most of them? He's like, honestly, if you didn't know they were SEAL Team Six, I mean, they're in well shaped guys, but they're not very. And this guy's six three, John. He's like, they're not very big, you know, because you want to be fucking agile, right? Right. right. <laughs> like ninjas, but yeah. you know, with guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. So, you, you, yeah, it wouldn't have been hard in the '40s maybe to find a six three guy look like an outlier. W- what do you think they think of my uh, my golf wound on my head? You know, oh yeah, that for toughness. People- that is, I mean, from what I heard, you never went down. You never called the trainer over. You did not force TV to take a commercial break. You hit your head on the golf cart. And uh, I guess that cut through that. Did the hat kind of protect you? Yeah, it, what it is, it's not really a cut. I think it's just a deep bruise. A bruise. You know, it's kind of scabbing. I, I, I would imagine the top of my head is, you know, pretty thin skin. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, for a split second, a little intoxicated, I'm like, did I just get a concussion? I kind of shook it off. I mean, it, it, it rattled me. I hit it pretty, pretty How'd you spot. play after that? Uh, not well. Uh, not well. <laughs> Golf injury is, uh, high on the list probably of embarrassing injuries. I guess you could suffer in athletics. Yeah, this is, you know, I, one takeaway I would have for TPT Scottsdale, the, where the waste management is, which... Every single human I've ever met that have attended said it is an incredible event. When you take away all the grandstands and the stadium elements of all the holes, it doesn't look the same. It's cool, but given the price point, now it might have been racked up a little bit because of the holiday weekend. Uh, You know, again, solid course. It's cool to say you played there, I guess, but like TPC Harding and TPC Scottsdale – I would say just as a pure course, Scott's, and obviously they have a fucking major at Harding Park. It's just a much better track. Like, just you just feel like which that one's was a, a better track? Harding golf. Park. Uh, Harding. Yeah. It's just you, it feels bigger. You know, just more dynamic. Because the, the most famous hole sixteen, you're used to playing in like uh, Brian Denny Stadium or something, right? You're like, you, you, yeah. But when you go there, and and especially when you don't play the tips. It's a 145-yard shot, so you're hitting a pitching wedge. And you're like, is this – I thought this – what? <laughs> they should have speakers blaring crowd noise or something to just kind of get you off your game a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the coolest hole is the falling hole 17. It's like the drivable par four with some water on the left. I think Xander this year, uh, Kyle Jensen, who I played with, who's buddies with our buddy Hawk because they played together at St. Mary's, was like – I had I had a hundred bucks on Xander to win, and he pumped it in the water. <laughs> I remember that's when Kepka won, and he was like tied for the lead going into seventeen. So yeah, I mean it's it's all. I mean, I just Arizona's a great place, but they, that golf course was you know I'd, I I'd put on the overrated scale. Now it's relative, like it's not like a you didn't get track. it on its best either, right? Like yeah, what people are reacting to normally is the. It's kind of the other stuff. It's more of a restaurant where it's like the food's not great, but it's just the energy. It's like old red booths, yeah. the location. And I'm not even trying to. Com- I'm not even trying to complain. I check in our bags. They're like Middlecoff. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'm Orlando. I'm from. I went to Sarah High School. And then he just casually drops. Played in the Mariner system for a while. <laughs> Stayed out here. Uh, love your guys' stuff. He's uh, obviously Niner guy. Shout out to Orlando then. <laughs> Promo code Ham. The Bay Area sneaky. And maybe it's like this, definitely probably on West Coast cities, I would imagine, Southern California, Arizona area, Nevada, 
I would imagine Portland, Seattle, you're just going to meet some transplants, you know, that yeah. have moved different places. Uh, they, they, they do stay loyal to their squads. It just shows you, like, sports are a big deal around here, and people follow it very... And it's like that all over the country, but, like, I, I do think, that, like, the Giants and the Niners, they get followed very, very closely once you leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's they're pretty... The Niners are a unique brand. Uh, John, the guy, I was drinking yesterday at a Tempe bar, and the guy was like, it, this is a Niners bar. It's the main bar in Arizona, or for ASU... It's a 49ers bar. He said in 19, when the Super Bowl year, he said it was a fucking zoo. I wonder what the average age of the Niners fan in Tempe is, you know? Maybe come some perfect, you know, it could just be a a mixture of different things, Mm -hmm. right? So you probably get a lot of, I just, I would imagine if we could get the demographics on Arizona student body, where they come from. I mean, obviously California is going to be a huge part of their student body, right? Is it crazy to think California is probably their number one outside Arizona state? No, probably not. Yeah. I mean, they got 85,000 <laughs> students, something like that. I mean, I can, na- I can name 10 people off my head that I know went to school there. I'm on a I've text thread with three other people. Places. All three of them went to ASU. One of my, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's pretty common. Hunter, Hunter Bishop, ASU guy, right? Hunter Bishop, who texted me yesterday. He was watching the Hunter Bishop interview. Yesterday, the Monday, we, May 30th. I'm like, are you just watching this now? <laughs> He's like, legends. <laughs> uh, by the way, John, before we get to some uh, some football stuff, Bradley on the YouTube says, which course at Wicopa was better? Wicopa? Is that how you Wicopa. say it? Wicopa. 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 Uh, you know, Riggs, who I think moved to Arizona, uh, just plays golf nonstop. He has like, uh, it's he's done a video that he it was his favorite course. And uh, it's pretty cool. But it's multiple. The second one. There's multiple yeah, courses. There's, 30, there. there's 36 holes. Uh, Segura, I think, is the course. That's the better one. Cholo or Chola is their other course. It's a little more targety. This one, The other one's more of a true course. Okay. You know, no big deal. Your boy was 37 on the front. And then, you know. I've never started 18 holes drunk. Because usually if you start drinking while you're playing. But right, when you right. play 36 holes, you know, you just... By the time you get to the first nine, you're like, oh, let's order some rounds, you know? And then you realize, like, we got a lot of golf left. It's a long day. It's 112 degrees, and you're just... If you can drink a lot of water, I do believe this, though. It's much easier to play golf in the hot, in, like, just the heat than it ever is the cold, just because oh. you're so loose. You're, yeah, it's it, yeah. it's, a, it's like, it, like it's baseball. Like it's a warm weather sport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, remember Tiger at Pebble? Remember when we went to Pebble, one of the things Tiger said a couple years ago when Gary Woodland won, one of the things it was cold. And Tiger, and it basically it was like, yeah, Tiger in this type of weather, just he can't get loose enough. It's just never going to be. Um, Charles on the YouTube says, Ted Williams Army Air Corps doctor's test had him with 2010 eyesight, which 2010 means you see at 20 feet what people see at 10 feet. Like your vision is what? You, what that's incredible. What are you? I'm bad. I, I have... I wear contacts. I don't really quite know what it means, but I'm like negative 3.5 in one eye and negative 3.75 in the five in the other eye. It's pretty bad. Like I couldn't, you know, at um, like right now I'm three, two, two and a half feet back from my computer monitor. I couldn't take my glasses off or contacts out and read that. I remember I did a baseball game. With I, I feel like at this point in time, I'm a seven, seven guy, seven, seven. Does that feel bad? Like seven feet, seven feet. Well, you don't wear corrective points. lenses or anything, right? Yeah, but I think it's, I, I'm adapting. It's it's headed yeah, that you way. Squint. 
Yeah, my yeah. vision's pretty bad. But I, I a couple years ago, I did a game, a baseball game with JT Snow, and I remember he saw something like beyond the outfield wall at at sundown that I could not see. And I'm like, dude, how you know JT now is fifty plus. I'm like, dude, yeah. how, what? Are, he doesn't have corrective lenses, and I was like, what's your eyesight? And I think his eyesight was like 2010. Also, it was something crazy. Um, uh, that's you know, that's just elite, elite human eyesight. I I do think if we went <clears throat> got most guys are not Eric Sogard wearing corrective lenses. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I never made it past physical. little. I never made it past little league, but going up against a couple guys that ended up pitching for our high school that you know, was a powerhouse in the area one, the section. I remember thinking like, this is really, I can't see shit. It just ball gets there so fast. I can't imagine the faster it gets and guys, even in high school, if a guy's throwing 85, like yeah. how fast that looks. Shout out to a Davis high baseball coach, Ethan Gavon. Good luck. Yeah, no big deal. All right. Should we dive into some stuff today? Feels like we got a pretty good, uh, you know, Rolodex of some young high school coaches that are on the move. That Eric Brown, Corvus West. Yeah. So you're talking, talking about two, two historic programs, Corvus West football, Davis High School baseball. Glory. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Randall Bokoff will come do a come do the wave. I'll get I'll get the I'll get the Davis Enterprise and Fresno B uh, articles forwarded from family members. Uh, I was talking to a guy who did some radio in Fresno over the weekend. I'm like, uh, or on I guess yeah, maybe it was Friday afternoon. And I was like, man, you got to do some more coverage of Clovis West High School football. You got to go all in on the Golden Eagles. They still do the high school show. They do a high school show, but from what I've heard, they've, my thing to him was like, you got to rededicate to the local market. You know, I think in 2019, feel that I niche. remember driving home from my mom's house and turning on 1140. They had a fantastic post high school show just going around the area, like Folsom leads 43 to seven. This is Sacramento area. Go to a guy there, and then a dude at Elk Grove, and then Davis High and Grand High. It was, it was, I was like, this is impressive. I love a good, love a good, a good a local high school, school show with like a call in. Like <clears throat> I'm down here at uh, Temecula, actually <laughs> Kingsburg, and right now it's forty two forty one. Tyler Bray just threw three touchdowns, and you hear like cheering in the background, and like you can barely. The key is you have to barely be able to hear the person who's doing the high school football yeah. update. Anyway, yeah, Oakland Tech against Folsom breakout game for sophomore Bill Johnson. <laughs> those are the best man i used to do high school football like a rat like that that show basically and we would use the the espn college football music you know with the drums and we just tried to make it feel huge and you'd have like we go now live to you know delano where the uh 5a titles on the line <laughs> whatever we called it i don't even remember well it's one thing when a guy like oklahoma or alabama or usc has a breakout game because you can google and you're like wow this kid was big time when you hear that like in your car, like a sophomore or junior, that might be the greatest moment of the guy's life ever moving forward to. Absolutely. He'd be telling that story for a long time. It'd be like, it'd be, I remember we'd be, I had three, three TDs against Visalia. <laughs> <laughs> Broke two tackles on the fourth one. The key was, it's like TPC Scottsdale, like in, in the Central Valley and, you know, wherever you guys are, whoever you are, uh, wherever you're listening, in, the, in California, Central Valley high school football is huge. Crowds are big. You know, yeah. I love a town where there's like where people are mad that their college football team plays on Friday night because it hurts the high school attendance. That's always a big battle, you know. Yeah, I'd say it's, you know, from everything, I've never been to a high school game there. But just reading about it and watching it from afar, I mean, they've done enough television shows and movies. It feels like and I'm saying this is a compliment, like a poor man's version of Texas. But it has a feel like it's in where are you it's talking closer about? to that. I'm the Fresno area. You never went to a high school game <clears> in Fresno? 
No, I'm talking about Texas. Oh, I'm saying Fresno has yeah, that yeah. type vibe. Obviously not quite as crazy. You know, the poor man's version. Yeah. But I, I'm using that as a compliment. I remember I did a uh, um, uh, arena football game at, at a high school in Katy, Texas. And it was an incredible stadium. Incredible Did you guys stadium. feel it? Uh, oh, it was indoors. Uh, nobody was. Can you play arena football outdoors? No, I don't think <laughs> so. Work. Did Maybe they draw the lines by. to make it a smaller even, stadium? I don't How'd they really do that? remember other than we were there. Yeah, they... Maybe we drove by. Maybe that's what we were in Katy and we drove by the high school football stadium. We must not yes. have played there now that I think about it. Because Bolitnikoff's son wanted to see it, probably. Freddie B. Jr. was the coach yeah. of that team. Yeah. What's a, if you were a coach, it'd be like if you're a golfer and you're like driving in Georgia, you're like, could we just swing by Augusta just to see the gates? You know, I bet Freddie B.'s like, I just want to see this high school stadium. I think the bus just <laughs> drove by. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's dive into some stuff here, people. Uh, yeah, you ready to go? Yeah, let's roll. We didn't really talk about how we're going to do these videos. You want to three, two, one it, or we just dive in, cut them that way. Uh, we we can three, two, one it. We don't have any uh, wine. Act. No, no, no. Let's just do it. We have anything we're pushing beforehand. I got, I got geology. Some geology. All right, here we go. Well, three, two, one it then. This is this is part of the what you watch here, and uh, you know, J, uh, Daniel says Ohio high school football sneaky nuts. I believe that I, YouTube comment. Yeah, I do. Too. Oh, by the way iTunes mailbag, leave us a review on iTunes. In that review, five stars. Leave us a question. We will get to that on the mailbag at the end of the week. We appreciate yeah. that. YouTube channel, we're obviously live doing this. We do every show. We post a bunch of videos. And yeah, go check that out as well. Haberman Middlecoff. Uh, Mac Jones is smaller than Jared Stidham. Tom Curran uh, wrote this. And somebody actually DM'd me on maybe Friday, and they were like, did you just hear Curran on Coward? He was saying... That Mac Jones looks really small. I remember you and I were talking about this a while ago. You pointed out, I think, first a while back, was like, I don't know if people realize that Mac Jones is not 6'4, 6'5. Tom Curran tweeted, just finished watching our first OTA 2021. One thing that stands out to me about Mac Jones is his size or lack thereof. Not just compared to Cam Newton, shorter than Stidham as well. Really will need to fill out his frame as well. So he's saying not only is he not tall, he he's actually not particularly solidly built. Remember one thing that we've talked about with turns out Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy's not fat. Jimmy got thicker. Jimmy put on weight, put on muscle. Um, and, you know, watching Trey Lance, some of the clips we've seen of Trey looks impressive. I would say, here's one question I have middle cough. Is you put a number 50 on a guy. Does that make him look smaller? Yeah, but I, the knock on him was physical stature was not impressive. Relative to the other two guys that he was in the group, he was in a pod, right? The we've talked, we've used the word a lot over like the last year of like working pods. Like there was a pod of three guys once we knew the first and second pick, and two of them were physical freaks. I mean, Justin Fields is a blue chip, five star, elite physical freak. Trey Lance is one of those come out of nowhere, like damn, a little Carson Wentzy. Like this guy's playing where? And then there was Mac Jones, who was the most accomplished who won the biggest, who they don't play each other, but was unreal. Like him and Fields' team played each other, and he dominated. But there were two knocks on him. One is, and I think Bill probably saw some of this, not the height, but his body, I would say, has a little Brady-Michigan vibe. Just flabby. Yeah, it does feel like that's just kind where of white guy. comes from. Yeah. And Part of it. That, that will change. Moses Cabrera, the strength coach, 
at New England. Is there a bulldog in Was the house? at Fresno State when we were there. Yeah, no, no big deal. And he's been there now a decade. That guy's body. I heard Lombardi say this on one of his pods, like a month, whenever the draft pick. He's like, listen, I've been around Belichick to know long enough. Like Mac Jones, physically, not height wise, but just definition, flabbiness, that's going to go away over a year span. But it takes some, you don't just, as anyone, try to lose some pounds. You know, it takes a little time. Uh, but I, I think the crazy part is, is like, listen, Cam is a physical outlier. Cam would have might look big if Tom was still there, right? Cam's huge. And Tom Kern, who's kind of an old school big J, who's one of the rare ones that's still moving forward that I, I have a lot of respect for. I, he's not trying. I don't think he was trying to like get a lot of retweets. He's just saying it's pretty glaring. Jared Stidham, not that tall of a guy either. And he just looks a lot bigger. Now he's been in the league for a while. You and I were talking like leading up to the draft, the, the thing that was going to be hard for Kyle to overcome was until he played a game and went after the draft and in OTAs and training camp, you're still a long way away from a game. It's probably not going to be kind to Mac Jones. And the other thing is the Niners, like they have established blue chip players on their team, right? Kittle. Uh, and Kittle's not, you know, he's not Gronk. Like he's not the tallest. You and I have been around him. Like he's... 6'3", but like 6'2 and 3 quarter, Like, he's not 6'5", but he's a blue-chip player in the NFL. Trent Williams is truly a blue-chip at all. Athletic ability, size. I think Fred Warner's become one. Like, they just got guys that when they walk out of that little stretch at practice or in a game, they just looked apart in the NFL. It would have been hard for him to overcome just... I just wonder if some of his teammates were like, this is the guy? Well, right. also, right, the Patriots, one of the issues with the 49ers is that their quarterback, who's also not huge, has gotten hurt a couple of times. Now, Jimmy, it ha- it doesn't feel like he's gotten hurt because he's not, you know, it, it's not been an issue that he's not 6'5", and that's why he's getting hurt, right? But he has been hurt a couple of times. And um, I think that's a different, that's kind of a different spot to be in because when we think about quarterback height, what we're talking about is, one of the things we're talking about is is can you handle the physicality of the game? Now, as it turns out, Russell's, you know, any issue that Russell has with height, it's not the physicality of the game. Even Kyler, we'll see with Kyler as time goes on. Baker, we'll see as time goes on. I think the other question is just your offensive linemen are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Can you see over them? Can you make plays? There's multiple reasons quarterback height comes in. But it's not Ky- just height. Ky- Kyler, Ky- Kyler got tossed this year got on that in that game. And he wasn't quite the same the yeah. rest of the season. Yeah, he was not healthy the whole year. But this is where it's twofold on Mac. It's not just the height, right? It's the physicality. So if you had another guy out there that looked like Garoppolo, the other, you know, the other issue would be: Does this guy? And this is one thing that uh, Curran tweeted that I didn't have the tweet here was he looked really good accuracy on air. His arm wasn't particularly live. Again, so you walk this guy out there next to Garoppolo. He's not much bigger than Jimmy, or he's not bigger than Jimmy. He's not thicker than Jimmy. And then on top of that, his arm's not better? You'd go, what? <laughs> right? Well, his arm's not better than Jimmy, for sure. Well, right? yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it would really have looked, again, we're relitigating something that didn't happen, but this is where, at least with the Patriots, there was an extra spotlight on Mac Jones because he's a first-round pick and not a second- or a third-round pick. But... You know, he's in a different bubble than he would have been in San Francisco, even though the light's plenty bright in New England. You know, he didn't get picked over anybody else there. I think if if Kyle was defending Mac Jones, and I bet he does <laughs> still, he would say, well, C- Mac Jones played with five offensive linemen 
the Raiders took one in the first round. The Eagles took one in the early in the second round. The only reason because he was injured, he would have been a first round pick. They have other guys that will surely be first and second round picks, right? As their careers go, none of them are six two, right? He's playing with NFL enormous offensive linemen. But my pushback is like, yeah, it's just it's just easier. <laughs> like it, it's not even debatable, even though it's hard what he's doing. This it's harder to do what he did in the NFL. To me, the thing that I I don't like the fit. Like you could have justified the fit out here. Plays it plays eight, depending on the year. Nine home games at Levi Stadium. Most like maybe you get a rainy December, but at worst, what are you playing? Like a sixty-five degree day. There are going to be several days that are ninety-five, sixty-five, and everyone Rams. in the stadium's like, "Oh my god, it's so hot." Oh, yeah, 65. it's like, oh, build, get me out of the a, sun. Build, build a big umbrella for us. Arizona's inside. The Rams are inside. So minimum, that's 10 good weather games. Seattle, depending on when you play them, which I think this year's early in the season there, is going to be pretty good weather. And then depending on your schedule, like you may only have a couple. Like you're getting, playing with the Patriots, three to four cold New England games. If you play the Jets or Bills after probably Thanksgiving, probably like it's, I don't love the fit. You're saying like arm strength arm. is a bigger, yeah, bigger issue than the You height. know, that's one thing. Like when you think Brady, it's crazy. Like just going on the trip this weekend. Tom Brady just comes up in some form or fashion. Like he'll just, he just becomes a conversation. Like people just, he's just a talked about human, you know? And it, it can be a lot of different things. It was like, whether it's about the match, whether it's about his greatness, whether it's be about just whatever. TB12. He just, just finds his way into a conversation. Yeah. The reason he's known as the greatest cold-weather quarterback, because he had a fucking laser. And obviously he's really good, but he, he wasn't like, you know that, I don't know if Brady can get the ball there. It's like, no, he's just throwing BBs through the wind. Yep. Yep. And that's where I do wonder, did they love Mac Jones or was a little out of desperation? Well, I mean, they liked, added, but did they not like anybody else in the first round? Right, that's the other question. Did they have like? Yeah, they weren't going to trade up. Grades? Weird spot. Also, it could be as simple as it's, it's. They've done it before in later rounds. They did it with Jimmy. They did it with Jacoby. It's just a value. Like you know, even if he's our backup for a year, maybe he can look good in some preseason games, and maybe we can trade him to somebody else for a first round pick again, or you know, who knows. They might not have loved anything else that was available to them. Now, it, it, again, if I wanted to defend Mac Jones, if you would have, I'm not comparing him to like Drew Brees, but Drew Brees never looked good in practice, right? Um, trying to think, I, I bet, I mean, Dak Prescott for that rookie year. Now he was a fourth round pick, but I bet in practice he wasn't killing it. Like remember, Kellen Moore, who now is his coach, shattered his wrist or something in a in a almost a spring training in a training camp or in a, uh, either training camp practice or a preseason game, remember Dak was like well below on the depth chart, and then yeah. all of a sudden, Romo's back breaks, his coach's arm breaks, and it's like, Dak Prescott, and then he has the great season. It's like, holy shit. And then Tony comes back like three months later, it's about the man in the mirror. He like tapped out. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> and it was the right decision, but Tony never played another snap again in his life. Kind of crazy how that, you know, looking back. That was a pretty big moment. I remember watching the press conference. He, what was Periscope the deal? Like he didn't did he not like not say Dak's name or something like that? Wasn't there something weird? Maybe no, he never I, said I, the I, word I, retirement or it was something. Yeah, I think he he said like, listen, this kid's pretty impressive. Like I like him. You know, I remember him kind of getting his back, but also 
Remember some people ripped him kind of an ego play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's the part I remember. I don't really remember the, the specifics of it. Um, all right, John, before we move on, let's tell the... Oh, do you have something else on that? No. Let's tell the people about sleepnumber.com slash ham. <laughs> sleepnumber.com slash ham. Proven quality sleep. Right now, save $1,000 on the new Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed during the Memorial Day sale. Here's the thing, guy. When you go on trips, oh, like to Arizona, gosh, you get an Airbnb, and you get on a bed, which I don't blame the guy. If I ran his Airbnb operation, I'd probably go a little cheap, too. You know, just generic, generic, generic. And you realize, I'm not sleeping that well. Bed's hard. Like, what is going on? Really tired. Get home. Woo! Sleep number bed's there. And you sleep incredible night sleep. Probably a better night's sleep last night than I did for three straight days in the crappy bed. It's a game changer. Because when you sleep well... You live well, you produce well, your job's going well, life's good. You, you are more productive when you sleep well. That's not debatable. Studies have shown. Guy and I can attest. Yep. Helps you recover faster bed. from exercise, from injuries, oh. from illness, from a long uh, uh, weekend, whatever it is you're doing. Get your bounce back, reduces anxiety. Uh, I don't know about you. I've had to make an extra effort on this particular Monday to hydrate a little extra sleep number. The folks at sleep number are big on helping yourself sleep well by doing other things like limit your evening caffeine intake and chug some, chug some uh, high quality H2O discover proven quality sleep, 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 save a thousand dollars on the new sleep number 360 special edition smart bed during the Memorial day sale only at sleep number stores or sleepnumbercom slash ham prize picks is America's number one fantasy sports app. Because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats. And then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game. And I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. ButcherBox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. 
I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Football morning in America. Peter King. He is what he writes. Uh, ESPN reported last week the Falcons have been offered a first-round pick for Julio Jones. I'm skeptical of that, but we'll see. If Atlanta had that offer, one GM with interest in Jones told me last week, they'd have made the deal already and just said, we'll announce it next week. Peter goes on to write, it could be that the Falcons may end up with a first-round pick, in a future draft beyond 2022, but I believe they have not been offered that yet. I was told a while ago by a source I trust that the Falcons would accept a hard second-round pick in 2022, meaning no condition on Jones's playing time, with no responsibility to pay Julio any of the $38 million he has coming. That seems like the most logical outcome. My guess is a hard second-rounder. I like, I like that hard second rounder, meaning, no, oh, if he plays 12 games, it's a third rounder that becomes a second rounder. You know, without having all the details of the situation, it, maybe I'm wrong on this, but because remember, and it felt like if I'm just playing the puzzle game, and I know the big J's hate this, like, don't source guess. Rapsheet, I actually met him a couple times. I don't think he gives a shit, but he tweeted out within the last two weeks that Julio was the guy that kind of requested the trade a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Like he had gone to them maybe during free agency. Like I want out and maybe it's because he saw the writing on the wall that they were probably going to, you know, he might be the odd man out anyway. Once he realized they were probably going to take one of the sweet skill guys. When you follow the sport in your round, we've been lucky, right? We've seen like really good teams. We've seen, Dennis Allen and Tom Sula teams. We've seen leaky teams. We've seen just a team like a Del Rio team kind of get buttoned up and just get the train rolling. Like I'd say in our, since we've been doing the show since about 2013, we've kind of seen it all. Super Bowl, you know, attendees, teams that draft number two. The way to do business in the NFL is now I'm not you got to use the media sometimes like you just get it out there it's probably easier than placing 32 calls like our guys available you just throw it out there and let people come fishing I, I get it I don't feel like the Falcons are handling this very well now they have a first-time general manager they have a first-time head coach but 
the way it's just like it's just out there and and maybe it was unavoidable with this June 1 number I think I bet the GM would say well Thomas Dimitrov has done a really shitty job the last couple of years creating all this space not all on me and I would say that's probably fair but there is a way to just kind of keep your mouth shut and that's where I'm Again, guessing a little bit, I think Julio did the thing, orchestrate with Shannon Sharp, because he was tired of it. Like, stop fucking talking about it. Just trade me, right? Just get this over with. And I, I feel like they were handling this poorly. I, I just don't feel like a well-established general manager. Maybe any first-time GM might be a little overwhelmed with something like this, but if you just went like a Rick Spielman, a John Schneider, just good GMs around the league, Belichick, it just, something would happen. And this whole thing is dragging on. And when it drags on for a while, we've had like, you know, he's going to, you can get him for a third. And now he might go for a one. Now teams want him to eat the money. It's just, how long, this, what is going on here? Did you, if I was Arthur, if I was Arthur Blank, I would just wonder like, are these guys a little over their head on this? Did you see? Is that fair? Well, yeah, but let me throw another. It's not all. Let me throw another theory. They they inherited this. It's not all their fault. And it's hard because they have to wait until June second, basically, to do this deal. But let me let me throw. But they could have postmarked it. Let me. Did you see the video that came out of the Panthers draft? The the video the Panthers put out of their draft room when the Vikings called to try and trade up with them. Did you see this video? A couple days ago, the oh, because the Vi- the Vikings were going to try to draft Justin Fields, right? The Vikings try to draft Fields, and it's not. It's one of these deals where it's like we might get to the point where NFL teams start telling other NFL teams, "Look, you can't like start putting our offers in your little draft videos that you guys like to." Produce. Well, it's like you guys don't say shit, and you're using us. Yeah, be, wouldn't you be mad if you I were would the be mad? And I think I would not. Sur- I watched that video and thought it would not surprise me if the NFL, if there's some agreement that like guys, you don't get to put out other team's business in your cool little draft video while you make yourself look good and make the other team look like a bunch of schmucks. It's happened a couple times now, right? It because it happened with the yes. Vikings. The Vikings did it with the Eagles, though, remember? It, it, they all do it. But so it's fine. I think it's great content, but it's sneaky. But one thing that happens... But, but it's, that, the, it's the great content because you guys look cool and the other team's kind of getting played. So one thing that happens in that video is... Uh, How was, did you know it was the Vikings? Because he picks up, he goes, what's up, Rick? Or whatever. I don't remember exactly what he said. Maybe it was because someone described that it was the Vikings or maybe they knew... Maybe I think what it was was they said the numbers. It was like they're they're offering like whatever fifty one oh, and sixty six. It was obvious it was their pick. Yeah. yeah okay. Gotcha. And well, but the part in the video that you just made me think of was the owner of the Panthers, David Tepper, sitting there, and he's like, "Tell him not to call back unless it's a one." Or like he's like making like these grand pronouncements. <laughs> it's like tell him we're not messing around. It's, it's uh, huh. which again. So the video the video makes him look good, right? Yeah, it makes him look like a tough guy, right? Yeah, it just it's and honestly, again, this is what I would say. If I'm an owner, that'd be kind of the fun part of the job. But it's not the it's like not ideal for your GM to be in that environment. I wonder if one of the challenges for Atlanta is they can't get a one for Julio. They can't. But I don't think. But Arthur Blank is going. You're telling me you can't get a first round pick for this guy who is one of the greatest best players in the player in fr- franchise, I- one of the best players in the NFL. I think best when we've done this before. I think when you factor in the longevity he's had on the team, right? He's been there for a decade. Dion was there four or five years. I mean, this guy, when you've been there that long, it's just, I think he's the best player in the history of their franchise. So you're a new GM and you want to prove, you know, you want Arthur to be like, look at my guy wheeling and dealing. You trade him for a second round pick and that's it. I don't know that you feel like you won. But again, I, I don't know that they can't. I, I would be surprised if they got a first round pick. 
Um, so I, I don't even think it's possible. And we were talking about this before we jumped on. I do think it's very relatable to a housing market, buyers and sellers. And it's clearly right now a buyer's market for Julio. I think a lot of teams are thinking they can get Julio. Like, can we get him for a second and they eat $6 million? Right. Like that typically with Julio. And, and then so I used Diggs last year. I think Spielman is widely considered just a super high-level GM. And it was clear, right? They had had their run-ins with Diggs over the years. It was like clearly kind of a diva. But they also kind of embraced it, and he was producing that it was just – it worked. But then it was like, yeah, they're going to pivot off of him. But it didn't get dragged out very long, and boom, he goes for a one. Now, he was cheaper and, happened and younger. happened before the draft. Yeah, it's, it's not apples to apples. But to not – if you want this to be a seller's market, how about this? For three months, when you know June 1's the deadline, be like, yeah, we're going to fucking roll with Julio. We're going to try to win with this sweet offense. And then tomorrow, go, you know, we've reconsidered – Call us. It's open for bidding. We're going to make a trade. In tw- you got 24 hours, your best offers. To me, and listen, this is, it's hard without having all the details. I just think when they've kind of pity pattered around that these teams are kind of circling like sharks, we're going to fleece this guy. Well, they've had, a fleece, mu- they've had two if, months to, to really watch the landscape develop, right? Yeah, it's like well, we're getting one of the best players in the league. Who $15 million, like whatever, we'll cut a couple guards and a tackle and we'll just put them on for like a late second round pick. You know, I I think that the Atlanta Falcons and in fairness, maybe in a couple of years, if these if that little combo of Arthur Smith and Fontenot become a good combo, they'll be like, you know, we learned a lot from that experience. And it's hard. Like I don't if, if you and I any job you do, if one of your first acts of business is to do something like this, it's probably pretty overwhelming. Right. It's like, I don't want to look bad because there's a huge there'd be an insecurity in a public type job of this is going to hang over my head forever. Especially because you right? think, I think they think what I think, what, we, what a lot of people think, he's still a good player. So you got a second round why. pick for a guy that's going to go. And, and would, by the way, who's the, calling? Wouldn't McVay, the move, wouldn't the move Russ, the Patriots, yeah. <laughs> the Niners. It's like, Oh God, the Packers, the Colts. Yeah. Wouldn't the, wouldn't the move guy have been to tell every single person that called, like he's on our team. Like we're going to try to win this year and then pivot like right now. Yeah, but again, here here we are at the end of May, beginning of June. I don't, I still don't know how much you're, you know, really getting for them, even if you just sprung it on people. But but maybe you get someone yeah, to really I, act, get not, a second or third, because it's not like they've traded him yet. So everyone's already made moves for the team, right? I think one of their issues is like they don't even necessarily have enough money to sign their rookie class <laughs> because they're so up against the cap. Now a lot of teams, and it's the reason why June one even if this Julio situation had never existed, is a date. What sucks is there are going to be some veteran players that, like, you're going to be some rap sheet and Schefter tweets over the next week of, like, so-and-so got cut, so-and-so got cut, or so-and-so is either takes a pay cut or he's gone. You kind of use this date to then get closer. There are several teams, guy, that can't afford to sign their rookie classes. But I think they tell you, well, it doesn't – we're in no rush. It's May 31st. We've yeah. got time. We understand that. The difference is it's a lot easier to like cut a starting defensive tackle that you think's replaceable and pull the trigger on trading Julio Jones. Like you said, to like we're just gonna give okay, Seattle offers us a second and Julio's gonna look sweet there and we might not be good, and then all of a sudden I'm a I'm potentially out of say what you want about taking over the Falcons job. I, I do think Thomas Dimitrov, the one thing he just has with the owner is like, you know, he did take him to an NFC championship game, took him to a Super Bowl. Like you are following a GM that just 
not some disaster, like a guy that drafted some elite players, a guy that took the team to like high levels with the organization. If you're just a joke for a couple of years, how fast does the owner with enormous money go? Is this working out? You feel I, I would feel pressure if I was the guy to like try to impress. That's an underrated part about football GMing. Probably is it's probably no different. Like European soccer, you see Chelsea beat Man City. Is when you're a new coach, a new GM, the don't that isn't like a Ron Rivera, right? Or you know, a guy with like pelts on the wall that just is comfortable in himself. Of like, I got to impress this guy. Like, imagine like the one thing Rule has is he's so rich. But you would have to. I, I'm going to watch that video later today. Like. This guy's just kind of looking at me. I mean, he's one of the greatest stock investors of all time. He's worth billions of dollars. That that the fitterer, the new GM, like that first the draft is like I I kind of want to look like I was wheeling and dealing. Yeah, right. Absolutely. See, see this temper? Tell them three, no. Three threes and four fours. Call me back, Billy. Tell them they're crazy. So I was thinking about the Niners from this perspective. June two is when we get to uh, you know presumably this week maybe something happens with Julio. And I've been on the record as, um, I would say, against trading for Julio, not because I don't think Julio is a great player, but because I think the Niners' draft capital should be used at other positions. I think they've got really good receivers that they can win with, and they've got to make sure that they're able to continue to evolve as a team over the next couple of years. But I think if I was going to play devil's advocate on that point, I would say this. The argument for Julio is stay aggressive. Not you traded a lot for Trey Lance, so you need to save your future draft capital. But what if you made the argument you traded a lot for Trey Lance, so you need to stay aggressive, that empires are built on aggressiveness, not on passivity, and that even though you can't just be blindly aggressive, you've got to go for it in the right spots, not just all spots. Wouldn't you argue that Kyle Shanahan, knowing Julio Jones as well as he knows him, you could easily make the case that's being aggressive in the right spot, not being aggressive in the wrong spot. And so I, I wonder if the Niners are looking at it that way. Like, we went all in on Trey. Let's keep pressing. Press. We, we think we have an advantage. We were aggressive, and it worked. Let's keep pressing that aggressiveness. I Like, I was thinking about it from this perspective. If you're Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch today, and you just went really aggressive on Trey Lance, you traded what you traded, you did the month of uh, evaluating everybody, you got him. Now he's in the building. You like him, Right. Do you feel better or worse about the fact today that you were aggressive? I think today you're probably feeling a little emboldened, like we were aggressive, and we think to this point, it's still a long way to go, he's got to be a good player, but it went pretty well. Like we we feel good about what we just did. Let's do it again. I could see them feeling that way. I really could. Well, the Rams are a good the Rams are a good example. They just keep putting their chips in the middle of the table, and it's I don't think they get enough credit for how successful they've been. Like, and someone tweeted at me, like, probably within the last four or five days about, like, should the Packers be disappointed that over the last 30 years they only got two rings? Like, well, they actually went to back-to-back Super Bowls with Favre, and I, I Googled, like, that game. Like, it was a barn burner. You know, Elway's historic. It was tied 24-24 in the fourth quarter. I, I bet if you just sat down with Holmgren and Favre to this day, they'd be like, yeah, we easily could have won that game. Right. Rodgers has been to five NFC championship games like they've had a lot of success. My point is success like what the Rams have done the last four years is very, very successful. Tom Brady is the ultimate outlier that and maybe the Chiefs now are a team that like anything less than a Super Bowl berth is a disappointment. But I can't even say like they got to win every Super Bowl. Like if they're going to Super Bowls, especially once you already have the one like part of the thing with the Bills, like they never won the one. <laughs> 
But if they just keep doing what they're doing, like that's a success. The, the Niners, and, and part of being aggressive like the Rams, they always feel like we're just always all in on their team. And I think it, you know, part of it is they're going after really good players. And for the most part with the Niners, they've done the same. And I think Seattle's a good example. They've done the same. It doesn't mean it always works. But with that mindset, I I don't think Belichick gets enough credit over his 20 years. I was thinking when you were talking about the, you know, empires that are built on aggression, they had so many moments, you know, throughout the 2000s that really built the culture to like take it to the next level in the 2000, I guess it would be tens, where they signed Corey Dillon. Remember, he was like this malcontent with the Bengals, mm-hmm. and he was awesome for him. Rodney Harrison, they they went and got him, and then like when they pivoted to the team that the 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 middle era that actually never won a championship, they traded for Randy Moss, they signed Wes Welker, they just got really really aggressive. He was always Revis in the 2010s. Always making moves that were just people are like he's just really conservative. Well, I'd say if you check out his history, he might trade a Logan Mankins or a Richard Seymour or Sante Samuel when he thought like, yeah, this I'm not going to pay him again. Right. I'm not going to give him a third contract. But it wasn't ever. I'm just kicking a good player to the curb unless Chandler Jones actually came up when I was in Arizona because we were talking about John Bones Jones. I think they knew when they were trading him he was a really good player. Just maybe they didn't feel comfortable right when he went in naked to the. Police the station. precinct. I think the conversation was he having. I I had thought that he just didn't know where he was going, but someone was saying, and I think this is correct. He was freaking out. Yeah, he was he freaking wanted. out. He had like a drug overdose, right? Or what? Not yeah. an overdose, so, but like a, he was having an episode, and he, he went had, to the police station. He had a bad trip. Yeah, yeah synthetic weed or something. He he went for help. Yeah. He just didn't have any clothes on. Right. Uh, but it turns out, like I think the Cardinals have been. He's easily been, I'd say, their best player the last five years, right? Been fantastic. I remember Joe Staley being like, Jesus, this guy's hard to block. I remember he had a quote after a game, and you just watch him. He's a dominant, dominant player. But, yeah, I just I, – if you tell me they traded a two this, this upcoming year and, like, a future three, just did something really aggressive, just what the Rams would do, I – no one's going to complain. No. Not a fucking soul. No. Uh, on YouTube, Casey says the biggest benefit at this point of trading for Julio is to keep him away from Seattle, LA, or Arizona. Not having a first or second next year would hurt, but you still and you still got to re-sign Warner too. So uh, as it relates to the division, Florio wrote that according to a source with knowledge of the dynamics, air quotes, the uh, the Rams are out. Which to me, when I read that, I think well okay, the Falcons are saying they want a first, and the Rams don't have a first until 2024. Because <laughs> you agree the Rams would gladly give next year's two for them. Happily. I wouldn't hesitate. Yeah. Be like, yeah, we like Tutu Atwell and uh, the $3 million or whatever we're paying Deshaun Jackson on game bonuses, but yes. And then I guess Diana Rossini on Sunday said that, that the Seahawks have talked about Julio and that Russell has talked to Julio. Now, again, like that, you know, I think part some of what's happening here is the Falcons are trying to create a market, create a little urgency. I still think they'd be hard-pressed to get a one, but I don't buy that the could Rams. Also be a, that could be a Pete leak. Like, you know, Russell said he talked to him. We're happy about it. You you, you can play general manager, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You don't play Kate Yeah, Russ had a great idea. None of us had thought of it. <clears throat> Here's the thing, though. When I say Julio, and I was on a text chain with a couple guys in the NFL, and... They're like, where do you think? And I'm like, well, I would never, ever discount the Rams or Seattle. Because this this is a Pete's alley, right? Yeah. Those two teams, that mindset, they have. And that's where the Niners are still trying to figure out their lot in land. Like, the Rams established it. 
I'd say Pete historically, they would have no problem trading like a two and a four or whatever for Julio. Again, money. People are like middle cut the cap. That fucking does not matter. You, you, I cut four guys tomorrow. There, there are several veteran guys that coming off a long holiday weekend probably didn't sleep that well because their agents like just be prepared. Like I, you know, am I good? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe the agents lying like you're good. He's like I don't know. <laughs> the guys get cut like that. Well, it's one of. And the if pl- you tell me that they got Lockett, Julio, and DK, that is pretty dominant. That to me, that because Russell, I know how Russell looks with Seattle, is almost even scarier than the Rams, and I we'd all agree the Rams would be scary with them. But that, th- those guys, I mean, those two humongous dudes and the little guy who's honestly he's like the most underrated player in the NFL that no one talks about, right? Tyler Lockett, all he does is score touchdowns. I wasn't underrated on the, the on the guy hitting like, DraftKings, hey, hey, DraftKings team last year. If Seattle's at the five yard line, they're going to do this play action crosser, and Lockett's going to be wide open in the corner. Can anyone cover that play? I've seen him do it fifteen times. It's either it's that just, or or the front pylon to uh, what's the guy's name? Not Hokit, uh, uh, Hollister. Jacob Hollister's going to catch one. You know, one on one. He's got he'll have like eight feet past the linebacker on the weak yeah. side of the play. One catch to his helmet looked like David Tyree. The problem for the Falcons, John, is they're trying to drum up all this action. Is like. Some of the most, two of the most aggressive teams in the league, the Rams and the Seahawks, and then the Niners, who I'm not calling them one of the most aggressive teams in the league, but Kyle, who would love Julio, none of these teams have first round picks. The, the, the Seahawks don't. And so if you're Atlanta, you're not, you don't want to trade them for a 2022, uh, sorry, a 2023 first or a 2024 first. Like you can't do that. It well, really, I, I think I it kind of hurts com- their negotiating power. <clears throat> I do feel confident saying this. If the Niners and Rams both had a one next year, I don't think the Niners would do that deal. I do think the Rams would. And, and, and I, I could not. First, yeah. I would not criticize the Niners for not giving their first for a 30. Guy's going to be 33. But the Rams, without hesitation, would give the first. Even Seattle, I, I could see them being on the fence. Like our two best players, beside Russell, are two wide receivers. The Rams just do not care at all. No. And, I mean, when you do read, I mean, they spent $6 billion on the stadium. $6 billion. Remember the price kept going up because there was like all this torrential, there was like a really bad rain and it delayed the delayed stadium it. build and all this stuff. And, you know, uh, Spanos had to make some hard decisions, John. <laughs> do you think, how long do you think, you know, when they do like, if you pay down the minimum payment, you'll have it paid off by X number of years, a dollar a year in rent. When does that pay off the $6 billion? Do the math. <laughs> I think it's a long time. It'll be uh, Spanos, the 800th, will be the owner of the team by then. Whatever yeah, that thanks, guy's Dean. name is. Appreciate you chipping in. <laughs> Honestly, it's a genius move by Stan because you're like, there is no amount I could really charge him. The more I charge him, the bigger pain in the ass he is with me. So it's like, just give me a dollar and just charge him a dollar. Out. I get stay to do away. everything else that I want and uh, stay away from me. Yeah. It's kind of almost. It's kind of insulting to the guy. It's kind of insulting to the Chargers when you charge them a dollar. You know, very insulting. Because then it's like you guys are just squatters. Yeah, we're we're so rich that the games that when we're alternating the games when we're on the road, your payment to us, there's not an amount you could give us that would matter to me. So just give me a dollar, so I never ever have to answer your phone calls. That relationship has to be a little weird. Very weird. Very weird. Like. The I would imagine there are some doors that are locked on Charger game days that no one's allowed to 1, open. One thousand, one thousand percent. 
Like, all right, I'm here for the owner's suite. Well, actually, Stan's suite is locked. You guys get this suite over here. It's on the 35 actually, in the nosebleeds. Actually, you just get some seats. <laughs> uh, oh, here's a broom closet. Okay. Before we go any further, John, let's tell the people about geology.com slash ham. Geology.com slash ham. Right now, you get 40% off any trial set. 40% off any trial set. And you can pre-order the SPF 30 unisex face sunscreen right now. Pre-order. You save 20% on that. It'll begin shipping end of... Uh, well, actually, I think it might start shipping uh, this week. Right now, geology.com slash ham. Here's the thing. The older you get, sunscreen matters. Uh, we actually had that conversation this weekend because, you know, my parents' generation, older generation, sunscreen, I don't remember becoming a really big deal to like probably we were in like high school. Like I never wore sunscreen as a kid going to going to swimming pools and hanging out with friends. There is not a swimming pool I go to now. Not that I go to many swimming pools, but like if I'm there with buddies with younger kids, like sunscreen is not getting applied. It's getting poured all over. How about just matters. four drunk guys on a golf course are constantly applying sunscreen? Oh my God. I mean, uh, this weekend I saw several double sprays, you know? <laughs> so it, it, it's life-changing, game-changing, and it's, it's very healthy for you. The other thing, obviously, geology, face washes, other lotions, creams. Can't recommend enough. Ge- Geology.com slash Yeah, you just take a quick quiz. Whatever your issue is, you got uh, you got oily skin. You got dry skin. You got under, you got, uh, you know, bags under the eyes. Whatever it is, your problem, maybe some wrinkles around the eyes. They got something for everybody. Every day, John, I'm using the uh, everyday face wash, and I'm using the Vital Morning Face Cream. It's got, I think it's got a little sunscreen in it, too, just kind of after I shave every day. Um, it's great. So Geology.com slash ham, 40% off any trial set. Go check that out. Podcast Do it. also brought to you by Gabby.com slash ham. Gabby.com slash ham. When it comes to car and home insurance, we all deserve better. Put your policy to the test. Get a better insurance. That's what Gabby stands for. G-A-B-I. Get a better insurance at Gabby.com slash ham. It's totally free to check. Better policy for you than what you currently have. Yep. Uh Use your current insurance information to get started, and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. It's free to use. Uh, they truly compare the rates. You and I did it, I think, in 2020. Did it in October. We typed yep. in our stuff. Yeah, and it is it is amazing. It gives you the breakdown because you, you just, you know, when you're novices at it, and younger people, and I know we're lucky our demo's pretty young, you type in, you don't even know. You're like, I don't know. Is this the going rate? Is this how much I have to pay? That's where Gabby comes in. They factor in all the insurance companies. They get you the right price. Uh, customers have, guys, here's the key. They save 900, Gabby customers save $961 per year on average. $961. You know what that is? That's net income, right? That's So when you factor in taxes and stuff, that's your actual money. That's what you're paying. And they'll never sell your info. Think how annoying that is. I don't know how many phone calls you're getting from those 888 numbers. They're driving me nuts, but that's Gabby two, doing that to you. Not a joke. I've gotten two since we did this uh, this show. So that's important. Yeah. Um, yes. You get multiple offers from top insurers. You can pick the best deal. You save time. It quickly matches your current coverage with almost no manual, little to no manual uh, entry. And you get peace of mind. You rest easy knowing you've explored your options and you have the best price. It might be that you currently have the best price. It'll tell you that. It'll tell you yeah. that. So here's what you do. Put your policy to the test like we did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. G-A-B-I. Totally free to check. No obligation. Gabby.com slash ham. G-A-B-I.com slash ham. Gabby.com slash ham.
So McVay's about to come out swinging. That's the other part of this. With or without Julio, I think one thing, the Niners, the NFC West, the Cardinals, uh, the Seahawks, everybody just has to be ready. When you go back and look last year, it's crazy. The Seahawks, excuse me, the Rams, John, were 22nd in the league in points last year. 22nd. And I was listening to, a couple weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember, one of the, it was one of the Rams writers was on and said that one of the things last year, McVay was just frustrated because he couldn't really do some of the basic stuff he wanted to do offensively because of the limitations they had with Goff. And that was Stafford. Uh, he's going to be ready to start throwing the ball down the field a lot more. Then he goes inside to Sean. Then he drafts the very fast Tutu Atwell. McVay is, I know you what, You told me you listened to his Flying Coach podcast the other day. I haven't listened yet. But I think McVay's treating this year like uh, Sean McVay's comeback story even though we don't we don't really think of him as he was been gone I would think that he looks at himself as I did not get to do what I do in the NFL so I'm I'm fully prepared for the Rams to make a very concerted effort to be a top you know 15 10 offense this year yeah to me there's a video that he does have a lot of Gruden's mannerisms uh to say the main difference is he's very successful (laughs) and John right now is just not uh, and then not it's not like a Raider shot. It's just a fact. But the one thing different, even John in his heyday of like the older Raider fans I have in my life, they're like, I'm not shocked when you watch his team. And I think he he frustrates some people with his conservative nature. He's like, Gruden's a conservative guy. And in fairness to John, the football he grew up in, right, played college football when like the 80s, you know, his his football mindset gets developed in the 90s and the late 80s. It's the game was very conservative. We've often talked about Andy Reid, why he was such an outlier. All you got to do is like read the Steve Young book. For those of us that are younger that grew up didn't see those mid eighty powerhouse BYU teams, they were like uh, on steroids. Mike Leach squad. I mean, they were bombs away. So the BYU crew was used to throwing the ball. The entire sport of football guy was not even the West Coast offense with Bill Walsh, which was throwing heavy. It was predicated on throwing slant routes and wheel routes to the running back. Right. It was it was not. Jerry Rice, I mean, he did just because he was a great player. They were not running constant go routes like they did with Randy Moss and Tom Brady. That's not the offense. Well, think about what is, so the, the, op- what is the highlight from the 49ers blowout of the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Wasn't it a slant route yeah, that he took to the Jerry house? Jerry just goes. <laughs> Yeah. And wasn't he was known for? He's like, he would just catch that five yard out route. He'd take it to the end zone, 50 more yards. And that was kind of his thing. He was just, he was like Steph Curry. He never got tired. But to me, when I think Sean McVay, who like LaFleur, for example, I know they threw a lot of touchdowns this year, but they clearly, he he's very Kylie. They want to run the ball. They had a lot. They re signed Aaron Jones. Rodgers' first year, when I think they thought he was trending the wrong way, I think they had, I remember when the Niners played him. The first time on that Sunday night game, the two running backs had already combined for 20 touchdowns. Like they, they are going to be like Kyle, very run heavy and pass off the run. I do feel like McVay would have no problem if like Stafford's comfortable, like going five wide shotgun and just fucking it, let it rip. When you go back and look, so and and, and Packers do that a little bit with Rodgers, but it feels like Rodgers going the yeah, throwing those back, are those right? are plays that have been called in the huddle. <laughs> When you go back and look at McVay, last year they were 22nd in points, the Rams. It's the worst he's ever been ranked in points since his first year as an offensive coordinator in Washington um, in 2014. 
in 2017 and 2018, he had the number one ranked offense by points. He led the league in points in 2017. He was second in the league in points in 2018. In those years, he was uh, a top rushing offense too. Okay, one of the, he was ninth in attempts the year he led the league in points, and he was eighth in attempts the year they were second in points. Now, part of that is you've got a lead. You're right? in a lead. You're running the ball in the fourth quarter. But yeah. I, like, I don't think there's. And any, I mean, Todd, Todd was pretty damn good too, right? I mean, his best player was probably Gurley that year. Todd was very good. There's no way he wants to be 24th in attempts, right? That's what he. That's what they were. They were 24th in passing attempts the year they led the league in offense. Um, and I don't, I don't have the breakdown here of like yards per attempt ranking, but I think in his mind, fifth year in the league as a head coach now, he's been waiting five years for Matthew Stafford or somebody like Matthew Stafford, or been waiting four years for this. Well, and maybe I wonder if he'd tell you if you were around him, like they thought that Jared could just maybe not obviously be Matt Stafford, but could just keep getting better. And they, he got capped, right? They just found out he had a ceiling, uh, because, they did. They did sign him that massive extension. <clears throat> no way they did it without Sean signing off. And, and Jared was he was a lot better, I thought, in seventeen and eighteen than he was. In, I mean, it's not even debatable. Last year he was clearly just falling apart. Maybe lost his confidence or whatever. I, I can't recommend the flying coach. I, I texted Traeger. I'm like, that was really good. And, and I mean, part of it, I give Traeger credit. Is McVeigh talks a lot, <laughs> and he just he's a star. And I was thinking about this. This morning, because we've been talking about the Rams and talking about this for a while, we just hadn't had time. Is McVeigh part of usually football rivalries? Like, God, I hate Belichick. Drives me nuts. Or, you know, I, I can't stand Sean Payton. Like, there are, you know, Mike Zimmer, that crusty old asshole. Forever it was like Parcells and Holmgren, all these right. guys like button heads. They're villains. You don't meet that many. Yeah, you don't meet. Like, McVeigh's not only not a villain, he is extremely likable. And he is a massive star. And I think what makes it unique is sometimes when you get these huge personalities as a coach, you're like, you know, a little hollow, not that substancy. It doesn't, it's not like that with Sean. Like it, he's clearly a really good coach. Well, he's, and that's what I think why so many people like respect him. It's like, he's good at his job. It's not just, he's not just this outspoken talks a lot podcaster. Cause guy, if he had a podcast, I, I, I linked you in an Instagram, we'd be in trouble. You Wait, know? when did you, today? <laughs> Now, probably like, uh, I don't know, four or five days ago, oh. uh, that that if he wanted to do like an NFC West podcast, I mean, he would just get a lot of listens. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's just... If he just started making... Just, if McVay started making Niner videos? He, he's so good that... Not that we didn't know this. He's been, you know, talked about for a long time. If he quit coaching tomorrow, Lewis Riddick and all those guys would be fired by yesterday, and Sean McVay would be the Monday... Like, he... He would not remember Jay Cutler wanted to get into it. They like had to do some things with Kevin Burkhart, like uh, with other guys, and they had to do some demo tapes. No demo tapes. He's immediately like John Gruden and he's gone Monday Night Football. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I don't think those guys are fired from TV. They're just off Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah. I just mean their Monday night run is over. Right. Yeah. He like um, Sean McVay's like, I, I've had a mental breakdown. I can't coach anymore. I just want to do TV, take a deep breath. He would be doing Monday night football. And it would be a really big deal, and he would be awesome. I, I think part of when you're talking about likability, part of it is you think about sort of the some of the biggest figures in the sport, like you mentioned Bill, is obviously number one. Bill's not exactly – Bill doesn't share. Bill's not transparent. Bill doesn't – you know, the way you see Bill's genius is by watching his football team. McVay is more than happy to explain himself, which is not a common trait 
for people in his position. Football coaches in general are not a very uh, open breed. They're right. They're always worried that somebody else is gaining an advantage of them by things they say, and they don't want to be bothered with trying to explain stuff to the the rest of the people who don't really understand what it is that they're doing. Yeah, I I I, I do think they are with their own like coaching clinics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, know, school, I'm talking specifically about been big. about like yeah, yeah, media availability, that type of thing. Right. Yeah, they love yeah. talking to each. Exactly. They love talk. I'm sure Bill loves talking to other coach bill well, would rather I think talk to a, viral, lacrosse, like, a high school lacrosse coach right then yeah i think something went viral us. last year bill like spoke at the zoom high school coaching conference and i i think whenever he does stuff like that he blows people away like he has it in him the difference is mcveigh and i i think it's just kind of a younger generation thing there's really kind of less to hide like what am i hiding you know i obviously i'm not going to tell you like the the special play we have called against the look now you're right it's a, it's a nature of football it's it's a unique sport where in basketball like yeah we're fucking throwing the ball to lebron here in football you don't ever know the place like it is very it's a tactical it's by far the most tactical game right right because right. even in baseball if i do some crazy shift i can see where you're shifting when I'm up at bat, right? I know where you're sitting. In football, it's always like, well, he hit the look. They he hit him with a cover two, but then they shifted to a to a zero blitz with the with a defensive end dropping into the flat and the other guy, the rover rotating. It's like, what the hell are they even talking about? But that's part of and then they hit him with the look that they gave in 2017, but they brought the dude in the fly motion. Yeah. And but Keekly recognized it just because he's got a <laughs> yeah. fast CPU in his brain. Yeah, and he, and he jumped it, but he jumped a little too early, and he tipped the ball. You know, and it was a three. Yeah, it was a and, lot, and it was a three-yard game. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, now it's second and seven. <laughs> oh my god, all that for that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, well, and that might be part of his personality. Think, it might be harder for him to be that guy than it is to just be himself. So he just acts like himself. And I have always thought the key, in my experience, is around football coaches. But the more and more we've done, just around other people in life. If you are true to yourself and in different businesses, it can make old people uncomfortable. You're more likely to have success in trying to be someone you're not. So I, and exactly. I think most of the case, right. With the, what make the flying coach thing. Cool. Is like, it all comes back to Mike Shanahan. And, and one thing Robert Sala said was like, uh, they asked him like, have you been bugged yet in New York? He's like, well, you know, it's, I have a mask on when I go in place so people don't recognize you. And they all start giving them, like, Robert, you're pretty recognizable. You're a bald, darker guy. Like, they know who you are. But his point was like, uh, and then McVeigh talked about in LaFleur, too, is working for Mike. There was just kind of a standard set how to treat random fans and, like, the way to – you just realize all these guys kind of came up. And they're all pretty – it was one of those that we'll look back, like the the Walsh, Seifer, just that whole tree. And it really started with Bill Walsh. Change all these people's lives forever. Right. Change them all forever. Even, like, Andy Reid and John Gruden, they're all directly connected to Walsh, even though they never, quote-unquote, coached for him because it was Holmgren or it's just that – Even, like, Mike Doug Shanahan Peterson is this, kind of a several – right? He played for well, those Well, big guys. time. He played for Mike Holmgren. These guys are all connected. We talk about Kyle a lot. It's really Mike – Right, because Kyle was not the head coach. Mike had to okay hiring like just all these guys. Now it turns out they and they've all financially changed a lot of lives, right? Yep. And he's a key one that like, and he connected to Gruden, two Grudens, and a Shanahan. This guy, I, I don't think I've ever been more dead wrong on a on a call is when I like, yeah, you know, because when he got hired, I think he was thirty one. And I was a year, I was 32. I'm like, I just, this is going to be impossible. Like no chance this is going to work. And obviously you don't know anything about him. 
right beside just the younger guy. I, I guess you'd heard his name because he was the youngest coordinator ever, I think, in NFL history when he when Jay started letting him call plays, right, at probably like 27 or 28. But it hasn't just worked. Like, he's he's lived up to it. I think it gets back to, like, he really is good. You know, and I, and back to the Niners. Like, the Niners have been kicking his ass for two straight years. Like, four, when you're two teams, like, in a division, if you lose four straight games to a team and you're not like a jag, like a bottom feeder, if you're a good team, like, that's pretty... That'll rattle you a little bit. Because it's one thing to lose a game, but you get beat twice by a team in a year. It's like, God, can we not? What the fuck's going on here? He'll be out for blood this year, John. And it's not because he's failed. Well, that was another part of the deal. He's like, you know, Robert, not not uh, losing sleep seeing you gone. Because he's really pummeled him. Well, yeah, and I think in McVay's mind, it's not because I'm not good enough and you're superior to me. My quarterback could not beat you. Period. My quarterback couldn't beat you. What he really wants to say, like, hey, guys, have you ever seen a number one overall pick consistently skip out routes? Because that's what my guy was doing. <laughs> Skipping the ball, yeah. Uh, a 15-yard out route? No, like a three-yard speed out. He skips it. What, if we can't run just the, one of the most basic plays in football, what? how are we going to do anything? He has to feel pretty. Thank God for Aaron Donald. He has to feel <laughs> I know. There, he has the to skip, feel. The skipping the balls with Jared Goff. It happened to the Niners, but if you were just like on your couch, like watching random like Rams, Jets, you're like, God, what? This is kind of crazy. Because then he would make a normal throw. He he probably consistently, if you just like were a scout, he probably had 20, 30 plus throws that were like practice squad level embarrassing. It felt like last year because I'd notice it every game. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god. He uh he has to feel pretty. I don't know if lucky's the word. They made it happen, but. You just don't normally transition to quarterbacks in the NFL the way that he just did. The the one thing, though, and it, you could probably make this argument with any quarterback that you pay a lot, that you draft high, and then becomes, because if I said, well, if Stafford gets hurt, well, yeah, if Roger gets hurt, if Russell gets hurt, if you know Brady gets hurt, like that's just part of the game. They did pay a lot. <laughs> Ton. You know? Ton. So if he but they were paying a, a lot injury, for the other stuck. guy, too. It's like they were. I mean, it was already picks. money that was spoken of. I know, but it's they probably looked at it like, this isn't costing us nothing. Like, it's costing us wins, and it's costing us money. So what are yeah, we doing here? Million. We've hit our ceiling. Anyway. All you right. think the Lions, deep, deep down, just think, yeah, we're just basically paying like a $30 million tax to not be that good. Yeah. But get extra picks. Yeah. They just, they, they, they bought picks, which I support. I actually think it's great. Yeah. If you're going to bottom out, you could argue the Lions of all the jobs, given that by far had the easiest landing spot, right? Just the bar couldn't be any lower. Patricia was such an embarrassment. This is back to the Belichick thing you were talking about. Doesn't really share. One thing was clear. He doesn't share with his people in his building, right? So he has these guys that go out on their own and they just, because one thing yeah. I remember reading an article like last year, the crafts were like, you need the, he tried to be more inclusive. Which, when I read that, like, you can't. you telling me a 67-year-old Belichick is like, I'm just going to be more inclusive now. Like, that's just not his, that's not who Clearly, he is. Clearly, Mike Shanahan was that type of guy, right? Because you don't, all these guys don't go off and have success if you weren't sharing with them and giving them responsibility and that kind of thing. I think Shanahan and Andy, it probably comes natural to them, right? Because you can't, I don't think you can fake that. Some guys are just bunker mentality. Like, I don't think Parcells was a huge sharer yeah. when he was the head coach. And part of it is he's just, he was more the true general. Like, also, 
and this is no shot at these guys. They were highly successful coaches. But Tomlin and Harbaugh, I, I do think it's harder to just share like pure leadership as it is like scouting ideas, coaching scheme ideas. Like that's pretty easy to share. It's harder to be like, you know, I had this, I had this feeling we had to uh I just give them the day off and go to the water slides. You know, shit that like during a training camp five years ago that worked or whatever. We'll see you Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Like that to me is a little, you either got that or you don't. But like if Shanahan's, hey, this running scheme against this look has worked in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, it will always work. So when you're in a pinch, go to this play. If you're ever in a short yardage, that's type stuff that is Belichick always sharing that stuff. It does feel him and Josh, their relationship is as strong as any assistant he's ever been around, right? Last couple of years, I felt like they've gone and they're traveling together on the pro days and kind of joined at the hip. Yeah. But you could also argue, like, okay, if Bill's interested in drafting a quarterback, it would be malpractice to not bring his offensive coordinator with him, you, right? You would think that, yes. <clears throat> it's pretty basic. I mean, should, I, should he get credit for that? I think it's in Bill's interest just for quote-unquote legacy, for things to be, for him to set up the pit. Whatever Bill retires – for him to set up Josh to continue to succeed because Bill will get continued credit for that, particularly if he found the quarterback. If Mac Jones is the quarterback for the next 10 years, Bill will start getting some of that credit. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on the uh, YouTube stream, Pat asks, who's delivering pizza? I mean, you know, we, you know what we always say. Order the ham pot at Pink Onion Pizza. Oh, yeah. Was that like uh, something come up about pizza? I don't know. I think he just wants to know where to get some pizza. <clears throat> he knows that we like pizza. Yeah. Our guy Matt. Who doesn't? Go see, go, see, go see our guy Matt. Uh, Oakhurst, you've played out there, right? Country Club? That's Matt, Matt belongs yeah. out there. He keeps inviting us out there. We haven't been able to go. But we appreciate his pizza and his pasta and his uh, dessert items. So he works in the city and lives out in the East Bay? He lives in the East Bay, but his restaurant is in San Francisco. Pink Onion Pizza. Got yeah. you. And, you got uh, any pizza lately? Uh, I have not had pizza lately. No, I mean, you know, lately, like within the last four or five days. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to, I need to get some some pink onion. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. Among right other now, things. Actually. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back this week. Don't forget mailbag. Um, Wednesday we'll see. We'll let you know what time we're doing. That we might have something that we're doing in the morning. We'll see. Uh, but either way, pot another pod coming. Get your mailbag stuff in for um for the weekend uh, mailbag and all that. Anything else to report? Yeah, keep keep them coming. You know, uh, have a good week. Share it with your Summer's friends. Here, he's here. Yeah, yeah. T- tell your people. Tell your Forward people. Forward podcasts and videos. I mean, do what you guys do. Yeah. Any chance you get, just say, "Hey, Vermin and Middlecoff, those are my guys." When you're talking sports, just tell find them. a way to work us in. Yeah, come on, people. Yeah. All right, later, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.